Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Today is our last episode in our general PCS content information. After today, we're going to start to dive into the actual material from Campbell. So we'll start to get to some actual nitty gritty stuff that will help you pass your exam. We thought we would end this series with sharing some of our own personal experiences while we were studying for the exam. So I started in pediatrics immediately after I graduated from PT school in 2008. The test had always kind of been on my radar, but life circumstance pushed it off multiple times. I initially worked for a few years in outpatient pediatrics, but then was relocated overseas when my husband got a job and was working on his PhD. While we were living overseas, I took a few years off clinical practice, though I did take a year-long course through Drexel University for the advanced practice in pediatric physical therapy. We then moved back to the USA. I worked inpatient and rehab at a children's hospital, and I started researching the tests again, but then decided to start a family. My husband's active duty Navy, so we've moved five times in the last 10 years. This has allowed me a lot of diverse experiences in pediatrics, but it was a challenge to also carve out time to study and for test preparation. Enter a global pandemic. I had just gone back to working part-time after maternity leave in March of 2020. Taking the test was back on my maybe list for the year, but I also had a new baby and a two-year-old. Because our caseload dropped significantly with COVID, I stopped working in March and decided now or never. I was sad to not be working and I needed to feel like I was continuing to progress my career during this time. So I decided to jump in. I decided personally I would start studying casually and reading Campbell over the summer and form a plan slash study schedule starting in September. I connected with the PCS study group on Facebook and tried finding some study partners around the middle of July so we could plan together. Enter Sarah, thank the universe, because she brought the organization and planning I was missing in my life. Also, I was excited she decided to join me on this podcast journey. I'm going to let Sarah take it from here because at this point, I just followed her study plan and she carried me through organizationally pretty much up until the test. All right. So I've really only been practicing for about four years. So I'm still kind of a new professional. I decided after I started working that I wanted to get my PCS as a long-term goal, um, but knew I needed to get the number of hours first 
A residency just wasn't in the cards for me at the time. My now fiance and I had just moved so he could complete his sports PT residency. Um, and doing a residency would just require me to uproot and move. So I, like I said, went through the clinical hours route and I got 2000 direct treatment hours prior to applying for the exam. I calculated all of my direct clinic hours every week and estimated an end date, which for me would have been the end of the school year in 2020. I applied to sit for the exam and I was accepted to sit. Um, for me being school-based, school shut down in March of 2020, obviously because of COVID. So I had a little more free time than usual. I started reading the case studies book because it was easy to read and I could read one or two cases a week just to get myself back into study mode. Once I was accepted for the exam, I linked up with Sheila and two other study group members on Facebook and we created our study group. Once I was accepted for the exam, I linked up with Sheila and our other two group members on Facebook and we created our study group. In July, August was when I linked up with the group, so we began reading Campbell then. It took me until the end of October to get through the end of Campbell reading two to three chapters a week, depending on their length. I personally went through and read all of Campbell, but I know that not everybody goes through and reads absolutely all of Campbell um, start to finish while also doing the study guides. I'm definitely a person that needs a schedule. So even before I started really meeting with them, I created the study schedule that we ended up using as a group. We split up the chapters so we could make the outlines. And like I said, I still went through and read all of Campbell cover to cover and took notes on each chapter. I reviewed them again when we got back to the specific content in our study schedule, but I used both the outlines that were created and the book for images and pictures. When forming a study group, I can't recommend finding yourself a Sarah enough. She was definitely the organizational person in our group. During our early studying time, when we were outlining chapters, I just did that. So I only did the chapters that I was assigned at that time. I have two young kids and I had a limited time each day to work on stuff. I pretty much only did work at nap time and after bedtime. I didn't go back and read the other Campbell chapters and outlines until a bit later in our studying. In September, I started back part-time with work and my kids started back at daycare. So I actually had a bit more time during the day to devote to studying. When we started our MedBridge content and we broke up Campbell and the Key Studies book to correlate with that content, this is when I went and reread the chapters and all of the outlines the other group members did. Don't forget the extra content you get with the fifth edition Campbell book through Expert Consult. It had great supplemental material, case studies, photos, and videos. As we studied, I rewrote pretty much everything in markers and pens. This is how I studied in college. So I rewrote all of the PowerPoints from MedBridge, important facts and charts from Campbell, and did page summaries of the research articles and rewrote important information about the case studies. Initially, I started rewriting everything, but then I began to realize what was important information and what wasn't so important or relevant to the exam. So I was able to tailor my rewriting to things that were pertinent. I work full-time in a school and also have a second part-time job after school. So I would study one to two hours, max three nights a week, and then would study all day on the weekends beginning in November. From August to the end of October, I would study on Sundays all day and then a few hours about three days a week when I was done with my job. I ended up decreasing my hours at my second job in January. So I had at least two full nights to study after work about three hours each night and all day on the weekends because I used to work a few hours on Saturday mornings. 
Our study group also met on Sundays and Wednesdays, so that was good study time for me as well. I studied every night for about two hours, except Saturdays, and I also studied during nap times. I was adamant about continuing good sleep and exercise routines, so I tried to be in bed by 9 p.m. each night, and I worked out every morning at 5, so I could have nap times and after bed focused on just studying. I had to be consistent so I could be more flexible, if that makes sense. We didn't know what life would bring. I got sick. My kids got sick. The South got a crazy ice storm, and we were out of power on and off for a week. I needed to know that I was doing as much as I could so that when bumps happened, they didn't derail me. So funny because I'm actually the exact same as Sheila. I wake up at five every morning to work out, and I definitely did not let studying affect my workout schedule. I didn't really let studying affect my life plans either. I still did the things I wanted to and took time off when I needed to. Honestly, our study group was great because we really tailored our schedule. So during busy times, such as Thanksgiving, one of our group members got married, Christmas, New Year's, we didn't have as much content to go over. My fiance proposed in March of 2020. And I remember looking at him saying, should I wait to take the exam because we're getting married? And he said, absolutely not. This is one of your goals. You can do this. I studied along with the group, but also did what was best for me. I don't do amazing rereading as much as I do watching videos, listening, and rewriting. So that was really what I did. Taking the exams was what I felt was the thing that most prepared me for the exam. Getting answers wrong was super helpful. And towards the end of my studying, I also sat down and took a full 200-question test, which was two questions, two tests back-to-back of ones that I already took so I could just practice sitting for that period of time. I totally agree. The practice test content was so valuable for me. It got me in the critical thinking mode and really helped me remember, remember I've been out of school for a long time, how to take a test. I also started meditating every day about five to 10 minutes, either in the morning or at night to keep myself calm throughout studying and also teach myself to breathe through a stressful situation if I didn't know an answer on the exam. I probably should have done this, but I did not. I just continued to be stressed out. I can also be pretty private about educational stuff and trying to further myself in my career because I've been made fun of so many times because I really like to learn, which is lame, I know. So the only people who knew I was taking the exam were my fiance, my family, my best friend, and my study group. Something I wish I would have studied more, uh, that's kind of a loaded question. Honestly, I felt pretty good with everything that I studied and felt like I was prepared going into the test. But maybe looking into the genetic disorders would have been more helpful, not just for the test, but in my own practice, because I treat a lot of children with rare genetic disorders. I agree this is such a hard question because I know that I passed the exam, but the test is so hard. I'm not saying that to be scary, but it was just hard. I didn't feel super confident during the test about research synthesis and statistics, and I wish I would have just felt stronger about that because I feel it's so important. But who knows? Maybe I actually knew more than I thought. So how did I feel coming out of the exam? Honestly, I was relieved it was over, but definitely had no idea if I passed or failed. I definitely felt better than I did after my boards exam, because after my boards exam, I was trying to figure out an alternate career path in case I didn't pass. Um, But my mindset was really, I'm not going to know if I pass the exam or not until mid-June. I did everything I could. I don't think I could have studied any more or studied any differently. I was so sure I failed 
that I was reviewing our old study schedule and trying to come to terms with another year of studying. I was not going to give up. I even decided on a couple additional resources that I wanted to buy and focus on. Clearly, I'm a catastrophizer because I pass and I pass with a good score. So I urge you all to remain calm coming out of the test because I wasn't. But this test is hard and it's intended to be hard. It's intended to push you. And in the end, it's not actually about the test, but it's about the process. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.